I'm not sure there's a whole lot more I'm going to add to what's already been said by all the other folks. But I'm going to try. How about that? I'm going to give it a try. So, okay, so you've already gotten the lowdown on the uh, Torah portion of Torah and so on. And uh, I want to think about this in a, uh, from the other side. We, we've heard what God can do. So the question now for me is that, okay, God, we know, you know, like God is cool. He can handle all of those things. He can do all those great things. We got that. The question is, what does that mean for you and me in terms of our own thinking? So how many of you ever heard the term BHAGs? B, uh, how does this spell? B-H-A-G. Big, hairy, audacious goals. That's what a, what a BHAG is. Having big, hairy, and audacious goals because we have a God who can do anything. Not only do we have a God who can do anything, but I remember the Messiah saying to us that we will do greater things than he will. That he would leave his spirit with us and that we would be, we'd be able to accomplish even greater things than we thought we could imagine. You know, one of my favorite, uh, I, I said this last week in my Bible study, so for those of you who are here, um, this is a repeat, but uh, one of my favorite TV show, uh, movies at this time of the year as we approach the Christmas season is Santa Claus 2. Now, not Santa Claus 1. That was okay. Not Santa Claus 3, which was ridiculous, but 2. So, I don't know if you know the story, but a guy, this guy, uh, what was his name? I forget now. SC, Scott, Scott Calden. He, uh, he somehow magically becomes Santa Claus, okay? And in the, first, in the first movie, he becomes Santa Claus. It's an old wild thing, and he gets all big and fat and with a big beard and everything and he goes and finally Christmas comes and it's all wonderful and delivers all the toys. Well, in the second movie, he's about to do that. Now, a few years have passed and he's been doing the Santa Claus thing for a while and he, uh, he's told just as a Christmas is approaching that there's a clause in his Santa Claus. There's a clause in there that says you have to get married. So he has to go and find a wife by a certain date, by Christmas Eve, or else he can't, he can't be Santa Claus anymore. And he, that's a tragedy. It'd be terrible. Anyway, he finally finds a young lady who falls in love with him. He's, you know, there's a thing going on there between them. But, but she doesn't know he's Santa Claus. See? She just thinks he's a nice guy. And when she finally finds out that he's Santa Claus, or she's told that he's Santa Claus. She says, oh no, this is ridiculous. The guy's, I, I, I finally thought I found a nice guy and all he is is some kind of wacko and it's not true and she's disappointed and unhappy and it's a terrible, but there's a moment, a scene where Scott Calvin's son from previous marriage before he was Santa Claus speaks to the woman and he says something to her that I think all of us, of people of faith, need to take hold of. He said, seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. 
I want you to think about that. That there is so much in the world, so many things that God can do that are part of God's universe that remain unseen by those who cannot believe. And if we are people who believe, then why aren't our eyes open to the possibilities that exist for us? You know, one of the ironies of uh, my ministry over the years has been talking with uh, unbelieving Jewish people in particular, but today it could be anybody. And we talk about the, the virgin birth of Messiah, right? You know, this uh, young girl's never had, uh, you know, relations with a man, and she has and a baby. How could that possibly be? Who cares? It's ridiculous. It doesn't happen. It's not scientifically possible. I want, I, when I talk to Jewish people about it, I said, dudes, we invented the miracle birth. Christians didn't invent that. We did. Look at the two that we just reviewed. Sarah and the Shunarite woman. We invented that. In fact, we invented all of that religious stuff. There's nothing new under the sun. So I want to think about these things in, in that context. What is it that we need to see? What big ideas can we have and accomplish as a result of the fact that God can do anything? Because God typically does it all through us, right? All right. So you remember the story with Sarah. He would, it was just reviewed for us. Sarah's uh, 90, perhaps, and uh, Abraham is 99. And there's some interesting Hebrew language here, I have to tell you. You know, the Bible is not, is, is not a, you know, it's not PG. I don't know if you know that about the Bible. It's filled with sex and violence and war and all kinds of craziness. Um, and particularly if you know a little bit more about the language than, uh, than might be translated into an English translation. So you remember what happened. Uh, the three angels, whoever they are, they come and they, and they give a message to Sarah um, and, and Abraham. And they say, okay, well, you know, Sarah's going to have a baby. And it says, uh, in, the, in the 11th verse, it says, uh, now Abraham and Sarah are old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. So in other words, you know, menopause had come and gone, as far as she was concerned. And uh, it says in verse 12 that Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I become old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. In other words, if you know what the language means there, they, you know, they probably haven't you know, done anything for a while. And now we're going to get back, we're going to, get back to it. <laughs> I mean, it gets a little, a little... That's what that means, by the way, in the Hebrew. It's not simply saying she's going to have pleasure in having a child. It really has to do with her relationship with her husband. So, I mean, have to, I mean 99, dude... What are you up to? You know, I'd I like to know. All right, enough silliness. What I want to say about that is that had they considered the whole thing absolutely ridiculous, 
and an illusion and an impossibility, they might not even have tried. They might not even have tried. And that's sometimes our problem, is that we, because we lack faith in possibilities, we don't want to even try. We approach somebody, you know, we, some, maybe there's somebody we know and we want to share the good news with them. But we think, ah, that's not going to work out, man. That's, good, that's just going to get in the way of my relationship with that person. And I'm, you know, I might as well not even bother. You know? But we, but we can do great things. You can't, listen, nothing happens unless we make an effort toward it, right? I'm not telling you anything you shouldn't already know. But what we need to do is to have BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals, that say we can do that. In spite of our fear, in spite of our, you know, maybe not even thinking we have the skill to do it. Sometimes the first thing what you have to do is to step out beyond what you think you have the capability of doing. I remember my buddy Paul, and we need to pray for our brother. He's, he's not been well. Lord, I just, I just want to pray right now for a total healing on our brother right here. We need this guy, and we need him in the, in the fullness of his strength, Lord. So we pray for that. But I remember Paul when he first came here, and I hope you don't mind my sharing this story. When Paul, when Paul and I first met, you know, he was ill then too. Different kind of illness maybe, but he wasn't feeling very well. And he and I would get together and pray and talk. And he was really desirous of that kind of relationship with God that he has now. And uh, so this went on for a while uh, with him struggling to be here, even through his sickness. And he built that ark for us. Because God gave him the, the hands and the heart. He used to tell me that the only time he ever felt well was when he was building that ark. He would sit in the ark and, and be, feel the presence of God and feel well. And God did finally heal him of those things. And so I remember one day, we, you know, he came into my office before services one morning. And I said to him, Paul, you know... I think I would like you to lead the service. He was blown away by that. What do you mean? It's not something he would have done on his own, typically. At least not at that time. But I remember he stood up and he said, yes, I will do it. He decided he would. He would step out, even beyond his comfort zone. And share what God was doing with him, with all of us. And it has been to our blessing to this day. He's done such a phenomenal job. And has led us so many times before the seed of Messiah. We can't do it unless we are willing to step outside the comfort zones that we have. I mean, my own story is a story like that. Comfortable job, lots of money, all that other stuff. But the Lord said... <laughs> Time to move on. Step out. What is God asking you to step out of? We talked a little about that last time. Last week when we were together. 
So sometimes we're called to step out. Sometimes we're called to have our thingy turn so we can read it. Lord, I thought you could do anything. Can't we do this? I'm shaking it. And I'm shaking it. It's not doing it. Dude, man, you're really hurting me. Making me look bad. Doesn't want to move. This is this is this is uh, uh, this is technology getting back at me for trying. Okay. Anyway, so it's about us trying. You see, here's, that's the thing. God can do anything, but typically He's going to do it through you and me. So the question isn't whether God can do something. The question is whether we will allow that to happen in our lives, whatever it is. So we're told the story of the Shunammite woman, right? And the Shunammite woman is this, this lovely lady who happens to be a prominent person, probably has money and all that sort of thing. And so she builds a, a room for, our, for Elisha the prophet. And because she is willing to serve the purposes of God, See, we need to make the connection. Because she is willing to serve the purposes of God, God says, we'll bless her. See, you can't be blessed by God. You can't know the potential of your own power unless you're willing to serve the Lord. If you're only in this relationship for, the, for your end of it, oh, I, you know, I just want to feel good. I just want to get my energy charged for the week or whatever it is, or maybe you're a learner type and you just want to learn something new. Uh, you'll never reach your own potential in what, might be, what, what you might be able to do. The Shunammite woman said, listen, I, you know, have, I ha- what I have, that I will give back to the Lord. And as a result of that, she was blessed. Not only blessed once, but blessed the second time, if you think about the, how the story turns out, right? Not only does she have a, a child when, you know, after it's possible, but then when the child dies, the child is recovered. Think about the miracle in her life. The possibilities that that life had all because she was willing to step forward in her life and serve the Lord with what she had. And that's what we all have to do. We have, a, we have a, the potential for great things in our lives. And remember what I told you last week. You know, good is the enemy of great. You know, we're willing to settle for the little things as long as we're comfortable. But when we step outside of our comfort zone, we find greatness. We find great things. And she did because she was willing to give all that she had for God's kingdom. And when we do that, we find that we get a whole lot more back than anything we could have, we could have hoped for. So let's have big ideas when we're talking about our relationship with the Lord. And finally, his greatest promise is fulfilled for all of us in the New Covenant portion that we read this morning from, from Luke. 
There it says, in responding, the angel said to her, the Ruach HaKodesh will come upon you, and, you'll, and the power of Elyon will overshadow you. God, coming to a young girl. We don't know a whole lot about Miriam, really, you know. We only know she was a good girl who's getting engaged to a young man. Uh, probably had their whole life mapped out. And when the Holy Spirit came, she could have run away in fright. She could have denied the whole thing. Said, listen, I'm not, I won't risk this. Because this will risk my relationship with the man I love. This will risk my reputation. This will risk everything that I have. How do I know you're for real? How do I know you're not from the evil one? You know, sometimes something happens, an opportunity opens up in, in, our, in our walk with the Lord, and we sit there and we, have the, we, we calculate. We do the calculation game. Okay, if I do this, well, that means this, and oh, it means that, and oh, it means that, and the hesitation, and the unbelief. You see, this is what, you know, if I go back to the story of, of Santa Claus, you know, the young woman is saying, well, are you kidding me? This guy thinks he's Santa Claus? Everybody will think I'm crazy. I'm going out with a guy who thinks he's Santa Claus. It can't work. But you see, believing is seeing. Believing allowed her to see. And believing allowed Miriam to see that she would be the son of she would be the mother of the Son of God. And that, 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 we, that thing we call the Magnificat, you know, uh, she's blessed among women of Israel. You know, it's a thing among the traditional Jews uh, in the world to be the mother of the Messiah. Of course, every mother thinks their son is the Messiah. Of course, every... Jewish, Jewish boy thinks his mother's a virgin. So, you know, that, that joke. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's believing that allows us to see the possibilities that exist for all of us when we're willing to step out beyond our comfort zone again. It must have been very difficult for Miriam to have received that. And, and more so for Joseph. I mean, both of them. If this doesn't work out. And by the way, I hate to say it, but in, uh, you know, in those unbelieving circles, Miriam is considered a, an evil woman. She, and Yeshua is considered mamzer. They've had to face that. But we face it knowing the truth, that he is indeed the Son of God. Because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is necessarily impossible for us. That's the message I want to leave with you this morning. That if we think big thoughts in relation to our, our, uh, our, uh, our uh, walk of faith, that God wants to call us to something greater, something bigger, beyond what we can even think is possible at this moment. We can accomplish it by believing in him and in his power through us.
So let's make it happen. Let's, let's start talking to each other about big ideas for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. How we can make this place a center for the Holy Spirit and for the life of Messiah Yeshua in this community and around, particularly for our people Israel. That's our job. And that's what we need to see. I'm going to leave you with a quote. This one from uh, Menachem Schneerson, actually. He wrote a little book of... It was a, he didn't write it. He just His disciples collected these sayings of his, and every once in a while he had a jewel. Uh, I'd like to share this one with you. He says, Everything that occurs comes from him, and he is only good. But if you and your world are not prepared to receive such good, it may manifest itself as apparently bad. Struggle hard to see the good. Think positively. And then the good will become revealed. Then, if we have the faith to believe, we will see. Lord our God, I pray you open our eyes to reality that is you. Not to this false reality in which we live but to the one which has infinite possibility in it for all of us, particularly as we choose to serve you with what we are given. Help us to see beyond this horizon and into the world to come. We ask that in the name of the Holy One sent to give us that vision. And let us all say, Amen.